As we come before our king, would you pray with me? Father, you indeed are the king. You're the one who sits on high enthroned. And so, God, we've come here as kids of the kingdom. Father, into your presence, asking that you'd change our very lives. We pray, God, as we open your word today, that you would draw hearts towards you and that you would change us in your presence. God, we ask that our lives would be yielded over to you. And so, God, we pray that you'd take the keys, that you drive, that you would lead us where we need to go. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for staying with us. Go ahead and take a seat. Well, welcome this Labor Day weekend. I mean, you could have been out in a cabin or by a lake or hanging out on a boat, but instead you came to church. So thank you. We want to welcome those who are joining us both online and on all of our campuses as well. Now, I want to start off with a question, but in advance, I want you to know that it's just a rhetorical question. Because the last time I preached, I stood up here and I said, what do you think of when you hear the word love? And there was a lady who was sitting right over here, and she screamed out, 1 Corinthians 13! And it like scared me half to death. So my rhetorical question for you to think about today is why did you come to church? Why did you come to church? What brought you here today? Now, for some of you, your motivation is a little bit funny. You came to church today because you love our donuts. And every weekend you come in and there are mounds upon mounds of donuts. So you come every weekend looking forward to our donuts. For others of you, you know the NFL football season doesn't start until next week. So this is your last opportunity to go to church until February, okay? And if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, I'm sorry, all right? But you're here today because there's no NFL football. Maybe you're here today, though, because you want to impress that special someone. There's a girl that you kind of like, or there's a guy that you kind of like, like this redheaded lady, that you came to church to impress that girl. Anything, anything she would ask you to do, you do. So you came to church today. For others, your parents have required you to be here. You're not here by choice at all. But they did say that after church... We're going to go over to Grandma's house, and we're going to have red chili enchiladas. And you would do anything for your grandma's red chili enchiladas, including coming to church. Now, for others of you, your motivation is to evaluate things. Whenever you come to church, you love to evaluate things. Maybe you go to another church, and you know over Labor Day weekend that your senior pastor is never preaching. So you decided to come to our church instead. Surprise! I'm not the senior pastor. But you came to our church to evaluate things. And people come to church all the time to evaluate things. They come into our worship service and they say, oh man, that talk is too light. Or that music is too loud. Or my seat is too hard. Or that lobby music is just too jazzy. We heard that before one time, okay? We get lots of evaluation around here. And sometimes when people come to church, they treat it like they're going to a theater. And they are just a patron in a movie theater that's come into this space. Now, I've learned that there's that attitude inside a church because of the last church that I worked at. See, the last church that I worked at, 
every Saturday night, we served popcorn and sodas. Every single Saturday. And this one weekend, I still remember it, I come to church, right? And I get ready for church, and I'm walking on the courtyard, and I hear no popcorn popping. And I'm like, oh no, what happened? And that weekend, the volunteer who was supposed to pop the popcorn did not show up. Now, we were about 10 minutes to starting the service, and a line started to form for the popcorn that was not coming out of the machine. So I ran over as fast as I could, and I began to learn how to use a professional popcorn popper. Now, up until that time, I had an exclusive deal with microwave popcorn. So I had no idea what I was doing popping popcorn professionally. So I tried to learn as fast as I could, but I I didn't know what I was doing. So finally, I get the popcorn to start coming out, and the service had already begun. Well, the line was really long, and people began to get very angry about their popcorn. Now, we're at church, right? And they're sitting there with, like, crossed arms, like, glaring at me. And I'm trying not to make eye contact. And they're just so angry about the free popcorn. They missed 20 minutes worth of the service just to wait in line. Now, some of you are thinking, why don't we have popcorn at this church? Others of you are going, wait, we had popcorn today? Like, was that next to the donuts? Some of you are thinking, well, I've got to get some popcorn on my way out. Folks, we have no popcorn here today. (laughs) But a lot of times people come with that spirit to evaluate. That spirit of just checking things out. They don't really want to get involved. They're just a customer. Then there's another group of people. This group of people comes every weekend because church isn't something they have to do. It's something they get to do. And this is the highlight of their week. When they come in here every weekend, when they come in every weekend, this is their opportunity just to let go of all their worries, all their cares, to refocus on the God that loves them. They love being here because this is a part of their worship. That's what I love about Sagebrush every weekend because we have this intersection of lots of different people who come with very different motivations. There are some people, right, who are looking at their watch right now going, when is this going to be done? There's other people who are sitting at the very edge of their seat who just want this time to last longer. And no matter what motivation you've come with today, we're glad that you're here. We're so happy that you're here today. And in the sacred moments that we have together as we open God's word, I want to share a message that God has put on my heart. Because when you understand the why behind why we go to church, it truly can change everything. Now, full disclosure, when I was a kid, I hated going to church. I mean, I couldn't stand it. My mom took me to church every weekend, and we sung hymns like every single week, and the church smelled like mothballs. It was bad. Church wasn't something that I got to do. It was something that I had to do every weekend. But something changed inside of me. I began to learn what it meant to really worship God. And it changed everything. You see, when we understand what worship really is and what it means, it changes everything. But we don't often use the word worship in our nowadays culture, do we? The word worship actually comes from an old English term meaning worthy ship. Worthy ship. It's what you ascribe worth and value to. 
And you can ascribe worthyship to an object or someone else. And this word actually came from an old Hebrew word, mean shakha. Got to say that with a deep guttural, shakha. Now, for the Hawaiians out there, this isn't shaka, bro, okay? This is shakha. And shakha basically means in Hebrew this. It means to bow down or to prostrate oneself before another to do honor and reverence. Basically, in the Hebrew, it means when your knees hit the floor and your head hits the ground. In the Greek, it's the word proskuneo. Proskuneo means this. It's to worship, which is to kiss the hand to one in the token of reverence. Also kneeling and prostration to do homage. And so when somebody worships, right, they're humbling themselves before that other person. They're humbling themselves and they're making themselves small. They're recognizing the power and the authority that they've come before. And ladies and gentlemen, our whole life should be about worship. Every moment of our day should be about humbling ourselves before God. Recognizing that God has given us the gift of life. And we get to now live it for him. But there's also times in church where we come together for worship. Where we worship together in community. And these times are so important. But what we've noticed around here is a lot of people treat their time of worship just like they're coming to a movie theater instead of really worshiping God. And you've noticed the difference, right? When you go to a movie, what do you do? You sit back in that nice comfy chair and you watch what's on the big screen and you take it all in, right? Because you are the customer. And if you don't like what you see on that screen, what do you do? You get up and you walk out. And when you're angry, what do you do? You ask for your money back. Now around here at church, don't ask for your money back. Because you're not getting it back, okay? But that's in a movie theater, right? Our worship of God should be different. We don't come in like a customer. We come in to participate. We come in to give our very best before God. Our best singing. Our best resources. Our best time. And our best energy. Why? Because God has given so very much to each and every one of us. And when we come together as a church, we come together as a family. And families at times have hurt feelings, don't we? But we make the decision that we're going to work through those things because this is my family. And I'm not walking out for any reason because this is what I'm part of. I'm part of something that's much bigger than myself. Now, do you see the difference? One has no skin in the game whatsoever. One, when you get your feelings hurt, you just walk out. Another says, no, this is my family. This is the place where I worship the living God together with others. I'm not missing this for anything. This is the highlight of my week. So how is it that we can make our worship better? Let me give you some helpful things that I believe will help all of us as we make our worship, when we come together on weekends, even better. Number one. The first thing that you have to do if you're taking notes is make it a priority. Make it a priority to go to church. What we noticed with COVID is people stopped going to church. In fact, Gallup did a survey and they found that only 28% of people actually attend church regularly. 
Now that is down 6% since the pandemic first occurred and only 57% of people actually see any value whatsoever in going to church. This is not a priority to people. This is not a place where people want to go. But what I find with the early church is that it was a priority. It was a high priority. Even after Jesus died, the early church started gathering together. Look what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It, said, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love that because what does it say? Every day they met together in the temple courts. Every day they're gathering together for worship. But that wasn't enough. After that, they would meet in homes together. They would organize around this idea of small groups so that they could do life together, so they could have conversations about what they learned, so that they would take it in deeply. So the early church saw a value in worshiping together. And we see that continue on in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24. The author says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what does the author say there? He says, let's not give up on meeting together. Let's make church a high priority. Let's get together. Why? So we can encourage one another along. So that we can lift one another up. So that we can encourage one another to not give up even when it gets tough. And I love it. It says, encourage one another as you see the day approaching. That's what we're learning. Jesus is coming back again. And we are called to encourage one another like that every single time we get together. That we're not home yet. That he's got a home for us in heaven. So coming to church is our opportunity to encourage one another. And this is a New Testament principle, but we also find this in the Old Testament. Remember back in the Ten Commandments? That the Lord says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What's God saying? He's saying take one day, take one day and set it aside to worship. To not do any work or anything else, but focus on me. So I have to ask you the question. Do you have a Sabbath in your life? Do you have a day where you focus in on God? Because when you come to one of our weekend services, this should be that day. This should be that day of refocusing your life on God. So you got to start by making it a priority. The second thing that you have to do is you have to prepare your heart in advance. You got to prepare your heart in advance. Now, preparation is so important, right? Whether you are doing a business-like presentation or you're going on a big trip or you're preparing for a first date. So important, right, to prepare in advance, especially if you've never met the person in real life. If you've never met that person, you might want to Google search their name. That way you can find out if they're an axe murderer or not before you meet them, okay? But when you get ready for a first date, what do you do? You usually shower. You usually want to think about some things to talk about. You want to pick the restaurant. You want to plan in advance for the interaction. Now, the same is true with our worship of God. 
you've got to plan for this interaction. You've got to take some time and some energy to get your heart ready to be in the very presence of God. I love this about David, who was the king. He wrote many of the songs that we have in the Bible. He was a guy who wrote often about preparing your heart to meet with God. I love what it says in Psalm 15. He says this, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy hill, he whose walk is blameless and who does what is right, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor uh, no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. What's David saying? Before you meet with God, you might want to check yourself. You might want to take some time to examine your own heart. And then David goes through a laundry list of things that he would ask God about. He would say, God, how's my mouth doing? Am I saying the things that really honor you? How am I doing in my relationships with other people? Am I taking advantage of other people or am I treating them the way that you would like me to treat them? You see, David is mining out his heart. He's saying, God, are my actions different from everyone else around me? Do my actions really show that I'm following after you? So David is examining his own heart. And I love that about David because he did this quite often in the Psalms. If you remember from Psalm 139, verse 23, David says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What's David doing? He's saying, God, search me. He's saying, God, I'm giving you full access to my own life. Clean me out. Prepare me to be in your presence. David is humbling himself before God. I love in studying the Middle Ages that during that time in faith, that they would build these huge cathedrals. And if you've ever gone to Europe and you've ever walked into one of these grand cathedrals, you know that they are enormous. They are gigantic. And the architecture behind these cathedrals are meant to make you feel small. They're also designed to take your eye line and to move it upward. And so as you go into these cathedrals, naturally, you begin to look up. That's why in the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo painted those paintings on the roof. It was to take their focus off of the world around them and to get them to look up to God. And that's what our worship does. Our worship takes our attention and our focus off what's going on around us and it puts it on God. It makes us feel very small in light of just how big and how powerful our great God really is. And to get there, you've got to prepare your heart. And then when you come into worship, I would encourage you to engage in the service. You got to engage in the service. Now, around here, there can be so many different distractions. So I would encourage you, if you have a smartphone with notifications on, turn them off. That helps us all out, okay? But turn it off, right? Because our life is just absolutely filled with distractions. I mean, you've got kids maybe that are 
great distractions, but they're very, very busy. You've got a boss that has goals for you and things that they want you to do. You've got an extended family that has all these different things that they want you to do. You have a wife who's absolutely perfect, <laughs> never demanding at all. But you have things that are going to compete for your time and your attention, that it's hard to maintain our focus. I think about King David. I mean, with all the demands of being king, he had lots of different things that he had to do. But do you know what David's favorite space was? His favorite space was being in the very presence of God. That's what he wanted more than anything else. He writes this in Psalm 27. He says this in verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. I love that because what's David saying? The most safest place for me to be is close to God. And so he says, better is one day close to God than anything else. And that's what David's greatest passion was, to engage in worship, to be close to God. So how is it that we can engage in worship around here? Let me encourage you to do a couple different things. First of which is sing, okay? There's some of you that absolutely love singing. Like you are like the high school choir person or something else. Somebody told you you had a voice of an angel and so you love coming in here every weekend to sing. Now, some of you, you hate singing. You've never enjoyed singing. You don't even sing in the shower. Now, I would encourage you, regardless of how your voice sounds, sing. Give your very best to God. God doesn't care about how you sound. I've heard some of you. It's okay. What he cares more about is your heart. He cares more about your heart. He cares more that you love him. He cares more about the fact that you want to give him your very best. So sing. Put down the donut. Put down the coffee, folks. And sing your guts out to the one who gave everything for you. <clears throat> then I, after that, I would encourage you to listen. Listen to the words that we share around here in this space. Now, a lot of times you hear lots of different messages, and so they're kind of in one ear and out the other, and that's not how we want it to be around this church. We want to encourage you to take notes. And so on our Sagebrush app, there is a space for you to take notes on every single message that we have. Why do we do that? We do that so that you can check us. So you can go back home and you can read the scriptures that we talked about. So that you could spend some time evaluating, does what we say really align with God's word? Is this something of merit? Is this something of value? Love that Jesus told the story of the different soils. And he talks about the farmer who goes out to throw out some seed. And he talks about how it falls on all the different spaces. Some on the hard ground and rocky ground and some on that fertile soil. And then at the very end of that, in Matthew chapter 13, verse number 9, Jesus says, He who has ears, 
let him hear. Now, doesn't it sound like Jesus is stating the obvious there, right? Okay, all of us have ears, okay? The question is, do you really hear? Do you really hear? Because for a lot of us, it's in one ear and out the other. Whether it's our wife, whether it's our boss, whether it's the things we hear at church, we're kind of listening, but we're not really hearing. Why do we do that? Usually because we just want to do our own thing, if I'm really honest. It's just because I want to do my own thing that I don't take the words to heart. So don't just listen here. Implement it in your life. And then the final thing is you've got to change. As a result of hearing, there should be some life change. There should be some things about your life that are different. And that's what I love about this church is that every single weekend, God is changing lives in our midst. People are getting free from drugs and alcohol. People are finding a relationship with Jesus Christ and their whole life is forever changed. But there's another group of people that's also here. There's a group of people who come in every single weekend and they say, you know what? I'm here, but I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, pastor. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And all that is true. But usually they just come in here on the weekend because they know on Monday morning, they're just gonna go back to their same old life. They're going to live for themselves. They're going to do whatever they want. And then next weekend, they're going to roll themselves back to church to assuage their guilty conscience. And they never change. There's never any difference in their very life. That's not what God's looking for. God isn't looking for your good intentions. He's looking for your changed life. Let me say that again because that was really good, okay? God isn't looking for your good intentions. He's looking for your changed life. That's what he desires from all of us. He's looking for us to be changed in his very presence. And that's what I love about our church, as I said, because people are being changed every weekend. But we've noticed this as well. During that most meaningful time, when people are making decisions for Christ... There's some people who don't see the fact that God's changing lives in our midst. And because they know the football game is on, or they're scared about the parking lot being really crowded, they get up during that key moment and they walk out. That's probably one of the rudest things that you could ever do in a church service. Maybe you're a mature follower of Christ. What would I encourage you to do? Please pray. Pray. Pray for the people who are making those decisions. Because we're in a battle with darkness and light. The evil one doesn't want people to move. And so I would encourage you, pray for those people. Encourage them along. And when you do that, what are you doing? You're sacrificing your own agenda. That's the fourth thing that you have to do when we come together for worship. You've got to sacrifice your agenda. So I have to ask the question again, why did you come to church today? Why are you here? Is this about you? Or is this truly about God? Because every weekend, we should die to ourselves a little bit more. We should sacrifice ourselves to God. 
I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15. It says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. I love that. Because what is it encouraged there? It's saying, give him a sacrifice of praise. Give God your very best. Don't make this experience when we come together on the weekend about you. Because it's not. It's about him. And our worship is about giving back to him. Make no mistake about it. Worship will always cost you something. But it's always worth it. It's always worth it. When you give your very best to God, God in return fills you with great joy, with great love, and that love overflows to others. But what's this about? This is truly about giving God control. And that's super hard for every single one of us. That's super hard for me as well. I'm learning just what a control freak that I am because a couple months ago, my daughter Abigail got her driver's permit. That's right. She went through like two weeks of the classes. And then after the two weeks of classes, I took her to the MVD Express. She signed the paperwork. She took the picture. And she is now a permitted driver. Don't clap. Be scared. Okay. So after she took the picture, after she got the certificate, I said, all right, here we go. You drive me home. And I threw her the car keys. Now, I thought over their two weeks of driver's training, my daughter had learned everything that she needed to learn about driving a motor vehicle. I was wrong. So she starts driving, and she has no idea how to drive. And so she almost hits, like, almost every single car. And so we're like driving down the road and we're going about 25 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone. And then I look over to my daughter and I take this picture of her. And I'm like, oh man, we're not doing so good. And she's like smiling and she's like, I'm doing so good, daddy. I'm just gripping my armrest thinking I'm going to die. Finally, we get off the main street, and I'm like, just, just pull over into this residential area. And so I tell her, hey, why don't you make a left turn? And what I didn't realize is my daughter didn't know where the blinker was. And so she takes her eyes off the road to find the blinker. And she cannot find the blinker, but she finds the windshield wipers. She turns the windshield wipers on, and she gets scared because the windshield wipers come on. So we swerve over to the side, and we go up onto the curb. At this point, my daughter stops the car. The car behind us honks the horn and drives around and says hello with one finger. She composes herself, and she drives home, and I kiss the ground, folks. But in that moment, right? That was an exercise of me learning that I wasn't in control. And that's hard for all of us. But here's the good news. We have a God that's not a newbie driver. We have a God who knows where he wants to lead us and where he wants to guide us. We have to decide. Will we place our very life in his hands? Will we allow him to be in control? 
Well, we let him drive. Because when we come together for worship every weekend, it's an exercise of saying, God, you are so much bigger. You are so much greater. You're so much more powerful than we are. And God, we're giving you control. So how do you make the most of it? Make it a priority. Don't miss a weekend around here. Then prepare your hearts. When we come together, engage in the service. Don't sit as a bystander. Get involved. And then finally, sacrifice your own agenda. Give your very best to the one who gave his very best for you. And when you do that, folks, church becomes something that you get to do instead of something that you have to do. Let's make the most of our worship every single weekend. Join me in prayer. (sighs) Father, thank you for this message. God, it's a hard one because I know that there's so much that I have to improve on when it comes to really worshiping you on the weekend. God, you know that my heart is so busy around here and I'm running around trying to do every detail. And God, you call me along with everybody else at this church to make time and to make space for you. So God, we confess, Lord, we haven't made the best of this time. So God, we're asking that you would change us, that we would see the value of coming together so that we can be encouraged. I pray to God for the ones in here who may not know you. Father, they can't understand the value of worship because they don't have a relationship with you. I pray maybe, God, in this moment that their heart would be moved towards you, that they would make a decision in following you to give their very best to you now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.